the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So this week on the Paracast, we are celebrating Halloween weekend. And the reason we're celebrating the weekend and not the day is because Halloween was on a Friday. The show is being heard on a Sunday. So we are magnanimous people here and we're doing it for the entire weekend. Now, Chris O'Brien is on assignment somewhere in New York, and he's having problems getting Skype to work on his iPhone. Now, if he does get it to work, we'll hear from him later. Otherwise, we'll figure it out. Evidently, it might be a problem with this infamous iOS 8, the latest software from Apple, and he probably just needs to update it. It's complicated. I don't want to get into technology stuff here. If you want to hear my rantings on technology, we have another radio show called Tech night owl live and you can hear all that stuff there and we have all the experts and we answer everything so instead of chris our guest co-host is one of our forum moderators gogs mckay gogs hey june gene yeah good to be here um always glad to help out shame chris can't be here so far but you know maybe he'll check in a bit later and good to be talking to micah again so we have micah hanks and this is kind of our Halloween weekend show, as I've said. And Micah, of course, has an interesting icon or avatar on Skype. It's a green alien because he, of course, has this site called the Graylian Report. Micah, thank you for joining us kind of at a short notice here. And I assume you have great Halloween stories to present to us. I always have great stories, I hope to be able to uh, present for you guys here on the Paracast. Glad to be here, by the way, uh, whether it's short notice or long term, just glad to be able to be in here joining you guys on this show. Well, I know lately you've been doing a lot of work to improve your website. It does seem to run might faster there. Does it not? I hope you don't mind me going ahead and just saying that, uh, you know, you've been instrumental in helping me to migrate. I'd had numerous uh, site difficulties, uh, which funny enough, around the time of October, Every year starts happening, but I've got a good feeling that next year it's not going to be the case because I've migrated the uh, the Graylian report, my personal site, my Middle Theory website. They're all over on the Namecheap servers, very happily so, proudly so. And thank you, Gene Steinberg, for all your help with that. That's been a real, a really, <laughs> a much less stressful experience of migrating those sites than I thought it would be. And uh, of course, you know, your help's been instrumental in all that. So, good times. Thank you very much. I think the person who has to be thanked there is Namecheap's web hosting guru, a guy named Matt Russell from the UK, and he has things organized really well there. That's why we were able to get this thing done in record time. And the only thing I will say in criticism is watch out for web hosts that are owned by Endurance International Group. If you do the Wikipedia, you'll find they own like several dozen very famous brand names of web hosts. And unfortunately, what happens is they buy the brand, they move it to a new low-cost data center, and service goes down the tubes. And they're going to advertise with us. So I am very happy not to recommend them, but certainly happy to recommend our partner, Namecheap. Anyway, Halloween. Now, we so much... Micah, talk about UFOs on this show, and sometimes we're criticized for that. In fact, somebody just the other day said, why do you call it the Paracast? Because obviously it's a combination of paranormal and cast for broadcast when you're doing so many things about UFOs. But don't you think, Micah, that a lot of these crazy mysteries are quite often intertwined? Maybe they are, Gene. And I'll say in your defense in the past, uh, you know, as I, I have to say every time I come on this show, I don't want to make it sound like an infomercial. 
I'm being honest. I mean, the Paracast is one of the few shows that I listen to regularly. And the reason being is because I think it's very content rich and the guests are people who are knowledgeable. You guys do what a lot of shows don't do. You get a lot of skeptics on the program just as well. You've had Ben Radford, you know, of course, Robert Schaefer, who I've been in contact with following his appearance here on the show. And so I think that's really conducive to actually getting people in the community, skeptics and believers alike, talking. And not many shows do that. And you've also had Lloyd Arbach on the program in the past, who, of course, is very much the psychic researcher and, of course, paranormal investigator and one who brings an academic background to it just as well in addition to a love for chocolate but i think that yeah a love for chocolate did you know that uh, yeah did you know about this lloyd arbach wrote a book i believe called haunted by chocolate in addition to everything that he does with regard to his interest in the unexplained he also i believe does or at least for a while was doing chocolate taste testings and wrote this book about it and so that's kind of something that he's taken interest in is uh, you know the culinary aspect of <laughs> the haunted genre <laughs> well you know i was thinking when it comes to things like candy and such the movie ghostbusters where they had this stay puff marshmallow that was like 90 feet tall <laughs> walking around the streets of new york and that's what i think about it. i don't think about paranormal chocolate <laughs> but you yeah, see all yeah. i know is snickers and hershey's and stuff like that i know nothing about chocolate well, you know, I'm not a, exactly an expert, although I do prefer, you know, quality dark chocolate and every now and then the varieties that incorporate a little sea salt. I'm, if you live in a town like Asheville, like I do, there are both a lot of history of haunting as well as a very rich culinary environment. So I guess you get into a lot of that sort of stuff. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of connections between these kinds of things. And if we had to connect chocolate to what we're talking about today, come on, Halloween candy, right? Okay, I'll buy that. But let's look at the ghost angle here. So. As a practical matter, and this is the silliest question of all, can we connect ghosts to UFOs? You know, I wrote an article in Fate Magazine years ago that was called uh, Ghostly Receptors, I believe. And I think that they've actually put it back up on their website now at fatemag.com. You know, again, I think with time, if you're a serious researcher, your, your attitudes and opinions change, as mine certainly have. And so I don't know that I would endorse all those theories. But what I wrote in that article a few years ago had been that we seem to, to observe, at least based on the anecdotal information pertaining to UFO eyewitness reports, certain phenomena, maybe we'd call them transient phenomena, I guess they could be compared and contrasted at times with what are reported traditionally in ghostly phenomena. Now, I can say that term more comfortably in relation to ghosts because, again, traditionally, I mean, there really is a tradition of ghosts. This is something that has almost been an archetypal element the perception of a deceased individual appearing from what we would perceive as beyond the grave or the afterlife. Virtually all cultures account for this. It's, it's in all world traditions, and it's something that's been with us for a long time. Now, people may assert the very same thing about UFOs, and even uh, very uh, respectable researchers, the likes of Jacques Vallée, have made the case that a lot of fairy folklore, a lot of religious themes from around the world and religious writings do seem to describe things which compared to today, are very reminiscent of UFOs. So you might make the same argument that there's a tradition of UFOs throughout human culture and history just as well. But I, I like to kind of break that apart a bit, because while we could certainly interpret it that way, I think Valet and, and others who have made that very point would argue all the same, that through the cultural lens that we have, the technological lens that we have available to us today, uh, it's very easy to look back and perceive things relative to you know, the innovations and technologies afforded us in this information age, whereas it may not indeed be an accurate interpretation of those things that may have existed in ancient times. 
So we definitely have a tradition of ghosts, I think, and that has remained consistent. We could interpret certain uh, aspects of the ancient world as being ufological in nature. We don't really know that we can with 100% assert that that is the case. And what we know about all of this is really it all may be something entirely removed from what it appears to be. For, you know, for one, can we say that a ghost is a spirit of a dead person any more than we can say a UFO is an actual alien spacecraft? All these phenomena may be something else. And again, to come back to Valet, who's argued over the years that we may be dealing with some kind of a transdimensional intelligence or other kind of an intelligence that is seeking to actually orient itself with in relation to humankind within the capacity of there being a control mechanism that actually affects us and perhaps even helps us adapt and evolve. For all we know, uh, indeed, the kind of ghostly or apparitional forms that we see both in the world of hauntings and also in ufology could be very similar in the, in the sense that they could be something that is rooted within the kind of interrelationship between space-time materiality and human consciousness. Okay, so we go back to the core question here. We believe, or most people who believe in ghosts believe, that these are spirits of the dead. It's your dead Uncle Harry that's coming back to complete some unfinished business. Or it's the person who died in the house a hundred years ago, but keeps coming back for various and sundry purposes. This gets to be crazy. Because this is the Halloween weekend episode. We have Gogs Mackay, our friendly forum moderator and a guest co-host this week. And Micah Hanks, you're in the Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. 
At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier. From gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We're starting to build a collection of the Paracast stingers. Chris Chris is the originator. Nick Redfern does a great one. Nick Redfern, of course, sounds like the shadow doing the Paracast. We've had people like Richard Dolan doing it, Bryce Zabel. So Micah Hanks joins that exalted crew. And next time we'll give Gogs a chance in a typical way from the other side of the pond as they go. Okay, so we're talking here about the common image of ghosts being the spirits of the dead. And is that just a convenient thing, or are ghosts basically manifesting themselves in a way that is not what they really look like, but what we think they look like? Okay, yeah, I was going to say that, um, just, just quickly coming back to the last question about is there any connection between ghosts and UFOs, well, I do seem to be aware of a few cases of possibly alien abduction, and there seems to be additional high strange aspects going on with multiple paranormal events. Whether they're all connected or not, who who really knows? But I suppose you have the idea of just even a nighttime visitation of anything. And we all know from the, the kind of sleep paralysis uh, idea of the past of, you know, the hag on the chest and but basically various kinds of devilish, ghoulish entities 
coming to people when they're kind of at their most vulnerable, in bed, at night, half asleep, whatever. Some people think alien abduction is just an extension of this same idea and it's not really ETs from, you know, another planet. The more as the more time passes that I'm interested in in these kind of subjects, I'm definitely leaning towards the idea that there might be one or very few overall paranormal forces, if you like, that manifest in different ways. Because I find it harder to believe that there is aliens from another planet. There's other kinds of aliens, there's ghosts, there are demons, there are this, there are that, there are all the things going on in Skinwalker Ranch, there are hauntings. I find it hard to believe that there are so many completely distinct paranormal happenings. That's if they do exist, but from whatever the source, to me it's amazing there's just such a huge variety of things going on. So just for my simple brain, it's easy to it's easier to imagine that they're all coming from very few sources, but just manifest in different ways. I don't really have any proof of that, other than, to me, it's illogical to think that there are a million different things going on with a million different sources. So, ghosts and UFOs, yes, to me there, to me there is a link, but it's, it's not maybe a, a causal link, but, but there does seem to be to me, there has to be something behind all these things, if true, and there has to be a link, at least if you go further back, maybe not right at the forefront of, is there a, a link between ghosts and an alien or UFOs? But going back a few steps, kind of, I think there would have to be. And I think it was really cases like Skinwalker Ranch, and there are a few others, but there are where there seem to be multiple types of events going on. And I just can't believe that these places, these hotspots, portal areas, whatever you want to call them, I cannot believe that they're just Grand Central Station for completely distinct paranormal events. I really think there has to be something linking it all. Michael, you want to chime in? I'd love to, yeah. I, you know, as a matter of fact, actually building off of what Gog says, because I, I agree, uh, you know, for the most part with that. And good observations there, Gogs. You know, I, I think that, um, and again, this is entirely speculative. And as much as any discussion of paranormal phenomena, I think that people of the mainstream academic mind would look at something like this and say, okay, but that's still not of any merit because it's speculative. But again, physicists speculate, and speculative physics has actually been the foundation for parts of our understanding of the universe, especially when we utilize placeholders, the likes of dark matter and things like this to kind of, uh, you know, describe what we cannot perceive fully about the universe and yet the, the observable effects of which we certainly can observe. So uh, in speculating and stating it as such, I, I think that it's very possible that, and, and I think that both philosophy and certain aspects of our modern physics are pointing more and more in the direction of the universe itself kind of being an informational matrix a lattice of sorts that human consciousness or any kind of a conscious perception is capable of interacting with and if that were the case based on the laws of the universe one interesting observation that we can make is that as stephen hawking love him or hate him as he said in a brief history of time he, he noted that well actually he poses it first as a question why why can we remember the past but we don't remember what occurs in the future 
And uh, I've used this argument in relation to UFOs before, but really it works maybe even better with regard to the classical idea of a haunting. When we perceive a ghost, traditionally what is perceived is some aspect, what appears to be apparitional, that is apart from the physical body of an individual, i.e. they are deceased, that seems to linger into the present and a person in the here and now can see an individual who may be long dead, but they appear before them in a sort of transient apparitional form. Now, Hawking had talked toward the end of his book about the arrow of time, specifically the thermodynamic arrow of time. And he believes that if indeed there was a big bang and the universe is outwardly expanding, ever outward, it is a response to this initial formation of the universe that occurred at the time of this big bang that, that physicists theorize about. That essentially, we remember the past and not the future because the way that our minds have evolved to be oriented in relation to space and time, we remember and we perceive space and time in the same way or direction thermodynamically in which entropy increases and so the argument that uh, and you can read more about that in his book but the argument that hawking would make is that literally thermodynamic laws allow for us and in relation to the way that the brain works in relation to the force we recognize as entropy we can literally remember the past but we don't remember the future because of thermodynamic laws now if that's the case it might stand to reason that what people perceive as being apparitional forms, much like a memory of the past that one might have, these are also, in terms of what we understand about physics, at least in keeping with the idea that aspects of the past could be related, but maybe not the future. Now, it becomes a much more different and, and perhaps perplexing argument when we start talking about premonition psychic phenomenon and what some have actually theorized, which is that UFOs may actually be apparitional forms emanating from the future. That, again, is entirely speculative, and we could go down that road, but for the case of noting that maybe while not all people can perceive premonitions of the future, many believe that they can, maybe some actually do, we do all have memory. We do all remember things that have happened in the past, and if there is some sort of a thermodynamic orientation between consciousness the human brain and space-time that allows for that, maybe it allows for the apparitional forms to appear from time to time, too. Let's look, of course, at the reality of this. And that is, as you say, the way the laws of physics go, we can perceive the past, remember the past, but we can't see into the future. Of course, that has a lot of complications, and there are some people who claim to be able to see the future. Let's talk about that. We have Micah Hanks from the Graylian Report joining us with Gene and our guest co-host this week, Gogs Mackay. You're in the podcast. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. 
This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. With autumn in the air, it's time to think about getting ready for winter. And it's time to save at HerbalHealer.com. You'll find amazing seasonal savings to prepare you for the fight against cold and flu season. Like Oregacillin to promote lung health. 30 capsules, regularly $34.95, now only $25. HHA Olive Leaf, the natural antiviral, normally $16.95, now 60 capsules are just $12. HHA Elderberry Power, a great flu and virus fighter, regularly $16.95, 60 capsules, now $10. Save on all our homeopathic detoxes. Choose from lungs, kidney, liver, brain, libido, or whole body, normally $26.95, now just $20. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click on the Fall Winter Specials button to save on all our natural cold and flu-fighting products. Also explore our Herbal Healer Academy Correspondence Courses that teach you how to handle your health naturally. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three square meals you'll need in an emergency. So the freeze-dry guys three-square meal unit sale is just a ticket. A variety pack of tasty, nourishing breakfast, lunch, and dinner on sale now. Breakfast is freeze-dry guys' favorite. Hot oatmeal and sweet dehydrated bananas. Lunch is Mountain House freeze-dried hot macaroni and cheese and crisp green beans. And dinner is Mountain House long-grain wild rice pilaf and hearty beef stew, vegetables, and gravy. Call freeze-dry guy and ask for details on the 120 26 serving 3 square meals unit. One case normally 164.37, sale price at only 138.90. Save over 25 bucks. Get two or three cases and save even more. Or ask about Freeze Dry Guys Fall Chili Special. Always free shipping to lower 48 states. Call 866-404-3663 or click freezedryguy.com. And hurry, the Fall Chili Special and 3 square meals unit are on sale while supplies last. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available for long-term storage. Period. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Giving a continental flair to the Paracast, we have Gogs Mackay. We're talking to Micah Hanks. Of course, Chris O'Brien's on special assignment in New York, and he's having all sorts of difficulty getting Skype to work on iPhone 5S. It's not downloading fully. And it's become very frustrating. If Chris can fix it, we'll talk to him later. Otherwise, we'll just continue as we go. All right. So, Micah, we can remember events in the past, but some people claim to see the future. Are they really seeing the future? Do they imagine it? What? To be honest, and this may anger a lot of psychics, but I think that a lot of people are imagining those things. I don't think that all people are imagining premonitions of the future. I mean, I personally am not a person who claims to be psychic, but I have certainly had 
what I would call premonitions, or maybe I, I feel more comfortable referring to them kind of in the Jungian sense as synchronicities, a meaningful coincidence where an idea or a thought comes to mind and it seems to have a direct relationship with a future event. So in, in terms of the idea of the meaningful coincidence, it, you know, of course, Jung coined that term synchronicity, but it was expounded upon very brilliantly, I think, by the late Arthur Kessler in his book, The Roots of Coincidence, uh, which is really, I think, one of the best scientific or academic examinations of purported paranormal and psychic phenomena. Now, Kessler, of course, was best known for uh, being a novelist. He wrote Darkness at Noon, and of course, he was a political commentator. He was actually somewhat criticized, not only by his you know, people, his peers at, at, you know, throughout his life, but even, I think, his, his biographer, uh, Dr. Michael Scamell, kind of in that extensive biography about Kessler, he kind of played down the fact that later in his life, Arthur Kessler, or Kessler as it would have been pronounced in the German, he was actively involved in parapsychological research. So one of the greatest political minds of the 20th century, actually at the time of his death, it was a mutual suicide pact between he and his wife. He actually left his estate for the foundation of what became, I believe, and Gogs, you may know more about this. It's, I believe it's in Scotland, but it's if not there someplace in Europe. It's the Kessler psychological, parapsychological unit that was founded and actually is still maintained today, much like the Ryan Center here in North Carolina, where I live. And so it's very interesting that yet again, when we examine Kessler's approach to studying the roots of coincidence, you know, again, there seems to be a physical component that can be attributed to what some people, I do believe, Gene, actually experience as premonitions or meaningful coincidences that seem to orient themselves with the present day right here in this moment mind and future events. And and I certainly don't rule out the possibility that some people experience that. And some people are are quite good at it. In, in other words, they are what we would call psychics. But I think that the majority of people who claim to be probably are believing their own hype and buying into that a little too heavily. And, and, and I think that there are people who can do that, who have actually made successful careers out of believing their own hype, or at very least pulling the wool over the eyes of others. You wonder if sometimes someone has an experience and occasionally they do see something that they shouldn't be able to see. But it's not something they can repeat. But when they realize they can get praise, attention, make money from it, they will mix the fake and the real. Now, yeah. Do we have, have there been any um, verified instances of psychic predictions that have come true, specific enough to get away from just being uh, random? Because, you know, in the last... 20 years or so, I've read the odd piece that may state that, yes, this person claimed to have foresaw 9-11 or Kennedy being shot or John Lennon, whatever. They never seem to be able to provide proof that, you know, they publicly told other people long before the event. It's after the event, they say. So I'm not aware of anyone who's come close to proving that. But coming to the synchronicity and meaningful meaningful event thing, I wonder how deja vu may tie into this. Now, I know there are various scientific psychological explanations for what deja vu may be, but I've got a very quick personal example. It doesn't prove anything, but to me, it went a little bit beyond what normally happens. And that simply is, I went, when I was about 13, I went to visit um, a friend I'd met up in my hometown, down in his hometown, in a part of Scotland I've never been before, not even close. And as I got there and le- exited the train station with him, and he only lived a couple of streets away, so we were on foot, we were about to round a corner and I suddenly got that classic deja vu feeling. But before I carried on round a corner, I stopped and spoke to my friend and I said, I'm getting deja vu just now. And 
I am convinced I know what it looks like round the corner before I got there. So I described to him that there was going to be a house there, like a garage there, and a, a blue thing, whatever there. And it was absolutely spot on. If there are any rational explanations for this, uh, that I'm in some way kind of kidding myself, you know, fair enough. Because I've heard that deja vu is sometimes just the brain tricking itself into thinking that you've seen something before. It's kind of putting the cart before the horse psychologically, I suppose. But just for this one time, it seemed like I could stop and actually take my time and say, no, without any possibility of my brain going round the wrong way, I'm going to tell you what I think is round there in a place I've never seen before in my life. I suppose someone could say it was, a, you know, photos from a book or something before, but it wasn't a feeling that I'm remembering a photo. It was a, a feeling of I've rounded this corner before. So, Micah, what, what do you think about synchronicity, meaningful events and deja vu? Do you think there's any connection or one's just a biological kind of hiccup? Again, Gogs, I see that you and I perceive uh, what many would call a psychic experience as being something more similar, at least akin to our own uh, observation and perception of it. The deja vu component is a very interesting thing. And I, and I should say, by the way, when you mentioned that there was a psychological approach to you know, the idea that the brain can trick itself, if you're in psychology 101, what you'll learn about is hindsight bias, which is the term that they actually use for this. The idea that essentially neurons or synapses, I guess more appropriately, are firing in such a way that from time to time it creates and confuses the mind into thinking that a actual perceived event had been known prior to actual observation. And this is this is in psychological terms what, what hindsight bias means and what they offer as an explanation for deja vu. But there are some historical instances that seem to be uh, a little more indicative of possibly someone and some people having an ability to perceive things that are happening maybe elsewhere in the world, but that far enough removed from where they are that they shouldn't have been able to know this. A notable example from history is Emanuel Swedenborg, a guy who, of course, is very interesting in, in all different kinds of realms of thought with regard to the unexplained, supernatural, and whatnot. Swedenborg purportedly was at a dinner one evening when he said that he saw a fire breaking out and it was beginning to consume a block of houses. And, uh, and he had accurately predicted a fire, I believe, that almost consumed his home, but that was put out prior to the actual fire reaching that residence. So that's an interesting story. And again, that was purportedly documented that he had at a dinner miles away suddenly stopped during this dinner and, and had described what was happening, and but said, no, no, no need to be concerned. The fire hasn't reached my home. If I'm remembering that correctly, and folks can look that up online, there's information about it elsewhere. No doubt if we were to complete a survey of parapsychological experiences, there probably would have been meaningful coincidences, deja vu, and other recognition of strange happenings along the lines of what we might call precognition that can be defined. But, you know, a point that I think, again, philosophically and also uh, in terms of kind of the politics of all this that I think has to be made. Guys, more often than not, when you see skeptics who are saying that there's no evidence, they will say that, but they, nine times out of ten, I find, have not actually taken time to read the literature about the subject that they are claiming does not exist or could not happen. Something that you find that's interesting among what I would call maybe the three of us and others, you know, in this community, who are maybe 50, 60, 70 percent skeptical, but still have an open mind about this phenomena, open-minded enough to at least examine it and, and allow it some possibilities, I find that people like us will read skeptical literature. You know, I, in fact, m many would cringe, but I own the Skeptics Dictionary. Um, you know, I've read Psychop, you know, publications over the years, Skeptical Inquirer. I follow what the skeptics have to say. 
because I find that they present a meaningful argument. I also read the Fortean literature, the parapsychological literature. I get it from both, and it allows one the ability to contrast and compare. I don't want to make a general statement, but often when I've spoken to many skeptics, they will make the case against, but they have not actually read the literature that might support the idea that indeed, for instance, with precognition, maybe there is a rich history of people who have made these claims. It's just it's anecdotal history. And again, if it doesn't satisfy the mind of the physics professor or the biologist or the geologist, it's not going to be something that scientifically can be replicated and accounted for. We have Micah Hanks. Our guest co-host this week is Gogs Mackay. This is you're here with a great crew of people and Chris O'Brien, of course, is on special assignment with a problem with Skype. You're in the Paracast. You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-297-0154. That's 800-297-0154. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. That's 800-297-0154. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. 
Visit the Berkey Guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey Guy. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of hb extract it's extremely effective and it starts working in just days visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers and we've never increased our price in over 10 years that makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it a healthy heart is a happy heart call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com this is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Chris O'Brien's on special assignment somewhere in New York and New Jersey, and a Skype that doesn't work. It's Microsoft's fault that it can't be here. It's not Apple's fault, it's Microsoft's fault. Every time things go wrong, they think it's really Apple, but it's not. We have Micah Hanks. We have our guest co-host, Gogs Mackay, one of the members of our forums at forum.theparacast.com. But right now we're talking about a variety of subjects, the paranormal merger of different phenomena and whether it all stems from the same source. Also talking about synchronicity. But the other thing, of course, is that when it comes to recognition of strange events, you'll find that people may be willing to accept the possibility of UFOs. But as soon as you get into anything that goes beyond that, ghosts, poltergeist phenomena, even Bigfoot, they can't accept it. Yeah, I, I, I understand. And I suppose for, for people who don't generally accept anything paranormal but maybe leave a little bit open of themselves to the possibility to ufos i suppose you could explain that by well if ufos are solid you know nuts and bolts craft and they're coming from another planet kind of there isn't actually anything paranormal there in that it can be explained if you know it to be the truth kind of but the other things in paranormal ghosts that's such a, a non-physical thing. I suppose some people would have some difficulty with that. But it's kind of funny that you get people who say they don't believe in ghosts, but they're maybe Christians. And uh, I often say the Bible is one of the most paranormal books out there. One thing that's interesting, I suppose, about the whole subject is since the earliest writing ever on clay tablets, whatever, cylinder seals, People have been talking about ghosts. So it's definitely not a new thing. And you've got to wonder that, you know, before there was ever any influence of Hollywood, of uh, literature, comics, whatever, that people were claiming to 
see spirits of dead people, or at least non-physical beings. And without any kind of cultural contamination, where does this come from? You've obviously got passed on from people, but initially, where did it come from? So I... I, I believe I saw, I've seen an apparition, and I saw it with one other person, but I'm completely open to the idea that I got it all wrong. But uh, another, another thing is, I suppose that people, people, some people want definitely to believe in spirits and ghosts, because once you get to the point in life where you've, as we all do, you've lost people that you love, it's nice and comforting to think that after bodily death, the consciousness may continue in another form. So sometimes I think a bit like how religion can be a bit of a crutch for explaining and putting in a box all the questions about the universe, life after death, the meaning of life, all that kind of a, I suppose ghosts are a, a bit like a crutch like that as well, because if you allow yourself to believe in ghosts, then you're allowing yourself to believe that this lifetime and after death might not be everything. Gogs, I have to say, I completely agree, by the way. The sad thing is, is that while you're absolutely right, many people look at that perception and they say, and see, this is why people believe in ghosts, because they don't even realize that they're doing it. They merely want to believe that there's an afterlife. And hence, although they're perceived as something culturally that's supposed to be frightening, in truth, ghosts are the greatest comfort for those of us who hope that there is life after death and that our loved ones are okay on the other side. To me, while it can be used as an argument against ghosts in terms of the way that people orient themselves in terms of belief, does little to address, again, the consistency of the narrative about ghosts and hauntings in multiple cultures worldwide since time immemorial. And furthermore, I think that when we look at the way that the belief element there influences perception of the phenomenon, it brings us back to the fact that, as, as I have said time and time again, and I've had many more wise uh, individuals uh, express to me, what we need to do and what, we may, what may even be requisite in terms of understanding the various phenomena around us is rather than seeking to explain them away in terms of psychology, we need to acknowledge the psychological tendencies toward belief that we use to orient ourselves in relation to these phenomena, either in terms of you know, what we believe about them spiritually, religiously, or otherwise, or the belief that they simply could not exist because they don't conform to modern scientific uh, jurisdictions, at least in terms of what we have counted for thusly and thus far. What's really important is that we have to, we have to kind of unlearn what we think we know about various phenomena. Is a ghost what we have culturally and historically and traditionally perceived it as being a spirit of a dead person? Maybe not. Is a UFO an alien spacecraft from another planet? Maybe not. And this is where it gets really interesting is when you apply the same logic to what we might call, you know, cryptozoological creatures and things. Bigfoot, I think, being the most popular example. People, people will often, I find, make the case that a creature like Bigfoot simply could not exist. Whereas, again, we're talking about something that is so much like a human being. And yet human beings populate the entire planet. So really, what about a Bigfoot could not exist? What we, what we cannot account for, and what I think presents the breakdown in the minds of many of the skeptical ilk, is that for a Bigfoot to exist, even though it is so much like us and we know that we exist, this creature could not possibly exist without being seen. And, and, and again, it's funny that people will say, how could this creature exist if nobody ever sees it? In, in fact, there are numerous, probably too many to count, anecdotal references to reports that occur every year in virtually every state in North America, 
or in the United States and in all, of course, you know, Canada and other parts of North America, but not just in North America, but literally all around the world. At times throughout history, we have seen time and time again, whether it be Neanderthal and, of course, what were once referred to as Cro-Magnon, you know, Paranthropus, Meganthropus, different varieties of hominids, our ancient ancestors existed in different parts of the world, but at the same time, in conjunction with one another at different periods throughout history. Could it not be the case that something like that is happening right here, right now, today? Again, nothing about the existence of a Bigfoot to me seems too far removed from the possible. It's just the way that I think people try to orient their minds around belief in these kinds of things. And so really, if we want to understand unexplained phenomena, we can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Some of this stuff may be imaginary, and we have to accept that distinct possibility, maybe even that likelihood. But learning to orient ourselves differently in relation to how we perceive the phenomenon, learning to think differently about it, I think that's going to be the key to understanding it. Well, I think the big problem we always see in this is that we are so inclined to want to view this stuff in accordance with whatever our experience is or what our cultural experience is. So if we see movies and TV shows about people seeing ghosts and their spirits of the dead, then we kind of accept that because we're seeing the same phenomenon. Oh, it's that. Or if we see that UFOs are really spaceships because that's what the media tells us, that's what we expect because it seems that we have aircraft one step removed. From what we have, well, therefore, it comes from Alpha Centauri, the third planet of the system or something like that. So we're being conditioned to believe in things that may actually not be the case, even though there is an existing phenomenon. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that a problem that a lot of people have with uh, this sort of discussion is, is that while we're getting very philosophical here, gents, and we can talk about the fact that, well, you know, maybe what we need to do to be able to study this phenomena is to think differently about it. Maybe it's this, or maybe it's that, or maybe it has this kind of relationship with us and with consciousness in general. But people, while I think this is important to discuss, I think that from time to time, people can tend to get bored with it because they say, but you know what, at the end of the day, we still want proof. We want good evidence. We want examples. And again, I think that if you're talking about UFOs, look at not the Rendlesham Forest incident, but remember what happened there at RAF Bentwaters back in the 1950s. There was an RAF Bentwaters incident that was with regard to radar that occurred in the 1950s, was there not? In the yes. Book? Yeah. Okay, that wanted to clarify that because people are going to look at that. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So referring to the earlier incident that had radar traces, that, that incident, uh, again, was one that the Condon Committee in the late 1960s, which again, you know, predated the... Uh, the, 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 the famous Rendlesham incident by a, a number of years, the Condon Committee, the University of Colorado UFO Project, uh, listed this among one of their unexplainables. Now, again, they didn't say that that was evidence of extraterrestrials. They simply said that this was an incident that could not be explained, but that seemed to be represented by some sort of a tangible physical phenomena. When we talk about Bigfoot, again, you know, many people talk about the Patterson-Gimlin film and say that they think it's a hoax. I know that uh, Cal Korf and Greg Long wrote this book about that a number of years ago, where even certain facts in the skeptical narrative didn't match with one another. One had been that, uh, that I think that uh, Roger Patterson had put the suit together himself from horse hide, Bob Hieronymus, the man who wore it, confused with Bob Hieronymus, the radio show today, but the retired Pepsi-Cola bottler from Yakima, Washington. He had said that he wore it, it was horse hide, and that it stunk. But then there was a guy named Philip Morris from right here in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm actually in Asheville up the roadways, but Philip Morris says that he actually supplied the suit to Patterson. And so from time to time, the skeptical narrative also doesn't necessarily completely fit the narrative that is purportedly being appended to this story. I still look at the Patterson-Gimlin film and say this is a possible. We'll talk about more possibilities in a moment. We have Micah Hanks, guest co-host Gogs Mackay, 
You're in the Paracast. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. This winter, next to water and food, you need a safe, storable fuel supply for your preparedness needs. Spare fuel is the answer. Unlike gasoline, spare fuel can be safely stored with your other supplies for many years and works in any gas-powered vehicle or backup generator. With the bitterly cold temperatures predicted for this winter, now is the best time to stock up on spare fuel. So go to GetSpareFuel.com. That's GetSpareFuel.com. GetSpareFuel.com. We the people grow cotton, we fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, just imagine, there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercials. Just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I think we missed it. <laughs> Gentlemen, let me tell you something, Gox McKay and Micah Hanks. If the Beach Boys needed to replace somebody, they would not call you. No. <laughs> They wouldn't call me either. Uh, well, that means we have to start our own band. You know, Chris O'Brien's a great keyboard player. Yes, I know. So maybe I that's play, it right there. Yeah, I play guitar. Oh, see, there you are. See, I sing, I play guitar. All so these okay. hidden talents. We're here talking about paranormal phenomena, about all the ramifications that go beyond the surface, which is where the Paracast likes to be. We don't just want to tell ghost stories, although... We might have Micah give us a few ghost stories as we progress and get on to other subjects. Chris O'Brien's on special assignment somewhere in New York or New Jersey in a place where he can't get Skype to work. And that's Microsoft's plot to disable his iPhone because Microsoft doesn't like iPhones. There's a story. There's a conspiracy. Gogs, you had a point to make. Yeah, I I just want to bring up a slight change in discussion. But yeah, uh, my point was... Since this is a Halloween weekend, my point being Halloween weekend, I just wanted to quickly bring up for um, thought. Uh, recently, I've noticed that um, 
I think most people would agree that the paranormal in general seems to be getting a lot more TV airing, movies, books. There just seems to be a more interest. Um, of course, the internet. And I, I believe personally that it's because of the internet that more people are into UFOs, into ghosts, into Bigfoot, whatever. But what, something that's quite interesting to me is that there seems to be, I think it's because of the whole internet thing, but I'm sure Micah has heard of memes like the Slender Man, things like that. But the whole subject of demons and demonology and demonic possession seems to have just exploded in the last few years. If you went back 10, 15, 20 years ago, there would be very, very few people, cases, reports of demonic possession, claimed a demonic possession. You, you obviously have the classic case that the, the film The Exorcist was based on, and you've got like the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which I believe was based on a real case too. But, but recently, in a lot of these ghost programmes, uh, ghost hunting programmes, the number of uh, people... Uh, featured in these programs that claim to have some kind of demonic infestation in their homes. Uh, it just seems that the whole subject of demons is, has just exploded. And I wonder if anyone else agrees with that and what your thoughts on the subject might be. We do seem to see an awful lot of it these days, that's for sure. Um, of course, I think the most famous instance uh, is William Peter Blady's The Exorcist. Uh, that's, uh, you know, still a hallmark in terms of that whole entire genre. Um, and the thing that we have to remember about this is that in terms of horror films, there have been a number of instances in recent years where uh, films have claimed to be based on a true story when, in fact, that was not the case at all. They merely say that they are. And that's a problem, I find, because, again, even if there is, uh, you know, some justif justification behind the mythos uh, to say that a particular case, a haunting or something like that, is based on true events when it actually isn't. That's entirely misleading to people, and I think it contributes to this cultural idea that these things, you know, can happen all the time. I have friends in the clergy, uh, one I would name Father Jack Ashcraft, who is a commentator on this subject. He says 99% of all what are purported to be exorcisms, he says, are merely psychological. And he says, as a clergyman, I know that. Um, but I do think that there are some instances where these uh, sorts of things, uh, for instance, one film uh, that you'd mentioned there, Gogs, The uh, Exorcism of Emily Rose, that was based on the uh, case of a young uh, girl. She was actually, I guess, uh, high school age in Germany, I believe. Annalise Michel, I think was her name. And uh, she had purportedly had a background uh, of, of psychological disturbance. And that during these disassociative states that she would go into, she would sometimes say things the likes of, you know, I, I believe that uh, this is something demonic or I believe that I'm supposed to, to, to endure this as, as a sort of a martyr. She, of course, had a background in religious belief and, and the like. And so, again, clinical psychologists look at this case as being a disassociative, you know, um, or maybe even a schizophrenic kind of a personality uh, disorder or something akin to it. Yet again, there are people from the religious persuasion that would say without question that there was some sort of an actual exorcism that was unfortunately attempted and failed. The girl lost her life, and those who had actually, including family members and clergy who had participated in the ex exorcisms, were later charged um, for uh, essentially endangering the girl and uh, overlooking clinical methods that might have actually been more effective than those employed during the exorcisms. M Micah, so, did she starve to death? 
I think that that had been one of the cases is that, again, that because she was not being treated clinically, um, the exorcisms, of course, were very difficult for her. During the exorcisms, she may have been, again, disassociating and psychologically performing the role of the the person who was possessed. Um, she had essentially as a result of this had a, uh, experienced an incredible inability to retain uh, liquids and solids of course that she consumed and one of the yeah one of the uh, arguments is that she had indeed actually um literally died as a result of malnourishment uh, but that this was viewed as being in relation to the people who were the family who had chosen to do this and also the active members of the clergy that participated in the exorcisms that essentially what had happened was that this was this was uh, neglect because if she had been treated clinically, perhaps she would not have. If she'd been in a hospital setting, for instance, she could have been sedated. She could have been hooked up to a, you know, to a, to a, you know, a system that would have allowed her to be fed by force, essentially. Uh, so yes, that was one of the aspects was that she'd actually died of malnourishment as a result of the exorcism process ongoing. Do, do you think it's interesting? I, I find it amazing that when when you think about it, that if criminal charges were brought against a family who decided to call the services of a priest to perform an exorcism on what they believed to be someone suffering a possession. And due to this, that they may have, they may have like somehow contributed by maybe way of negligence to a death, like in the case of this girl. Isn't it interesting that the system that might actually charge them with crimes and then they'll appear in court, the whole judicial system. Well, what happens when you give evidence in court? You put your hand on a Bible and you swear on the Bible. You can't affirm, of course, but most people swear on the Bible in our system. And isn't it interesting, really, that if you say you're a Christian, you really, it should to me, it should follow that you believe in demons. And I always find it quite strange that, that the judicial system takes a dim view of, if you like, excuses or reasons of some kind of like weird religious thing. It's more into clinical science, psychology, just forensic things. But but at the, at, but at the same time, it's you know, you've got to put your hand on the Bible. And if you look, most most institutions probably will have some kind of quasi-religious aspect. And in our country, that's usually Christian. To me, there seems to be a, you know, a strange thing going on uh, with, with these two extremes, when, when in fact they are very related. That's interesting. And you're absolutely right. I mean, <laughs> I think it just kind of shows the uh, the totem that especially, you know, following the founding of the United States based on Christian principles and the like, uh, it, it becomes a very interesting uh, situation where we recognize, again, you know, this isn't an attack on faith. My father's an Episcopal priest, but, uh, but you know, the Bible obviously serves as sort of a totem, you know, a pillar for the idea of the upholding of right principles and justice that we still use in a courtroom. And, and sadly, maybe the, uh, you know, the court officials are overlooking that, uh, you know, but by the same token, one could argue that maybe there's no place for religion, whether it be in, you know, in terms of a totem or in terms of actual ideology, uh, ideological belief in the courtroom. It is an interesting divide there that you outlined, Gogs. Now, you must have some fascinating conversations, Micah, with your father. Let's do a break. Micah Hanks, Gogs Mackay, Chris O'Brien's on special assignment trying to get his 
iPhone to work with Skype. Meanwhile, we've got a free copy of Chris's book, Secrets of the Mysterious Valley, to send to you. Just sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to theparacast.com. Once again, theparacast.com. Sign up for our free newsletter, and we'll send you a copy of Chris's book. You're in The Paracast. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. With autumn in the air, it's time to think about getting ready for winter. And it's time to save at HerbalHealer.com. You'll find amazing seasonal savings to prepare you for the fight against cold and flu season. Like Oregacillin to promote lung health. 30 capsules regularly $34.95, now only $25. 
HHA Olive Leaf, the natural antiviral. Normally $16.95 now. 60 capsules are just $12. HHA Elderberry Power, a great flu and virus fighter. Regularly $16.95. 60 capsules, now $10. Save on all our homeopathic detoxes. Choose from lungs, kidney, liver, brain, libido, or whole body. Normally $26.95, now just $20. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click on the Fall Winter Specials button to save on all our natural cold and flu fighting products. Also explore our Herbal Healer Academy correspondence courses that teach you how to handle your health naturally. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. On the Paracast, we have Micah Hanks. Our guest co-host is Gogs Mackay, whom you can also meet in our forums. Now, when we talk about movies, TV shows supposedly based on fact. You also have TV shows ripped from the headlines. And what they're basically doing there, unless it's a real documentary, and even then you wonder, what they're basically doing, guys, is that they take the basic concept of what happened and they build a story around it. There may be very few details they have in common with the real event. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, there's there's one uh, paranormal story that that I've always been interested in, and that's the story of the the haunted Jewish wine cabinet, or otherwise known as the Dybbuk box. And a movie was based, uh, licensed on that story, but there really was very few similarities between this story on the movie and the actual story. I quite often, as as I'm sure you'll both agree. Quite often, the original story, the reality, is far more interesting. And I, I just don't always agree with Hollywood. And I understand what they do in taking the grain of truth of something and making a story. But I find often they just willingly ignore the reality when quite often, to me, it seems a better story. Is that what you were getting at, Gene? Yes, indeed. But let's talk about examples. You say that maybe the original event is a better story than having a bunch of Hollywood screenwriters and some pitch meetings trying to put something together. Do you have any other examples where the real story, the real truth, was more interesting than the movie? But then there's the other question here. Why would they do that? Do they think they can do better than reality by making the movie more violent or different or something like that? Is that really our discussion here? Yeah, I was just quickly going to say, um, quite quite often they they will buy the rights, say, to a book, and it's up it's then up to them. They could they could absolutely go word for word with the book story wise, or they can just take aspects they like and build upon it. And I, I'm not saying for a second that they're always wrong to Hollywoodize it, if you like. I'm sure many pretty you know so so stories have been made into blockbusters that are really enjoyable. But I can't think of many examples off my head. I, the only one I can really talk with any knowledge would be the Dybbuk box. But definitely that to me, having read the book, without a doubt, it, the, the, the true story was far more interesting than the movie. Now, the movie did actually do quite well, but it's just, a, it's just an example. Micah? Micah? You know, the one that immediately comes to mind for me uh, is Fire in the Sky. Yes, yeah. 
of course, that, uh, you know, supposedly documented uh, the real life uh, experiences of Travis Walton. Anyone with, with a peripheral interest in ufology, if they were to sit down and watch that film and take that as being what this you know, field of study is about, uh, and, and sadly, I think a lot of people actually do. Again, it seems like a, a terribly horrific play of events that we, that we see in that film. But what we have to remember is, is that, again, while it may be very loosely based on a supposed actual occurrence, and I do think that something happened to uh, Travis Walton. I've met him, had dinner with him, and you know, I, I don't perceive him as being somebody who's making that up. Again, initially, the screenplay that was written was based more along the lines of the book that Travis wrote, and the producers didn't like it. They didn't think that it was scary enough, and it was rewritten the way that it actually appears on film. Because what is it? It was a film that was supposed to pander essentially to the horror genre, and Travis himself points this out. Yet again, what he actually described was rather than being an alien or like a rescue mission in the sense that he thinks that he was injured you know, very briefly. I mean, what was written in that book by Travis Walton? I'm going to say there's more to the story because we had Tracy Torme, who was one of the producers of the film on the Paracast. And he said part of the problem is the plot line. In the book, what actually apparently or evidently happened resembled some other movie. And so they yeah. didn't want to duplicate what was in the other movie. So the screenwriters said, we've got to change it. And certainly they may make it more sensational, more lurid. But the core reason was because they had to make it different. I see. That's interesting, though, because that doesn't necessarily reflect well on the story, though. You know, again, I understand for purposes of Hollywood, changing that narrative uh, and for all we know, Gogs, this may be very similar with regarding uh, the, you know, with regard to the case of the Dybbuk box or whatever. They may change aspects because so many motifs are done and redone and overdone, you know, to the point of being beyond well done, maybe cooked to a crisp in the Hollywood, uh, you know, film industry. But that doesn't do much credence to the stories that are actually supposedly based on reality. And again, you read Fire in the Sky. And you see what Travis Walton described, again, sometimes referred to as being more a rescue mission than an actual abduction because he believed he'd been possibly injured as a result of this craft taking off and maybe this kind of the spark arcing down, as he's described. And he woke up with some sort of a device on his chest on board this craft. There are aspects of that story to me, and again, to kind of mirror what Goggs had said, that were far more interesting in the narrative that Travis gave rather than the film. And so, you know, while I could understand the necessity for a Hollywood film changing the story, to reflect something that was not overtly similar to a previous film, you know, it's not doing much justice to the actual case study, the story. And this is what must be pointed out is that people in this, in this genre, especially who are critical of it, don't watch the films that are supposedly based on reality and presume that this is the actual essence of the, of the story or the investigation thereafter, because often that's not the case. Remember, at the end of the day, this is meant to be drama. It's science fiction. It's meant to be something that they could derive a profit from, and they'll make the changes as appropriate. When they buy the book, they say, you know, we have the right to do whatever we want. We're not presenting a documentary. We're not presenting a docudrama dramatizing some kind of real event. We're presenting a science fiction movie. It's a science fiction movie, and therefore, we'll do whatever is necessary to make that movie sell. Now, in the end of the day, the thing, I don't even think, barely recovered its production costs. It was, at best, a very mediocre success. Or maybe it lost some money. It wasn't a big thing. So, with all that they did to improve, in quotes, the plot lines, it didn't work so well. 
That's interesting because in the case of the Divic box, they totally changed it. They just kept the basic core idea of an actual kind of haunted box that housed this certain spirit called a Divic. What they did ended up being extremely successful. It well surpassed their expectations, you know, more than recouped money, so much so that I'm pretty sure a sequel is in the offing. They, they were talking about it almost within the first two weeks. Um, about making a sequel, I, I did. I enjoyed the film. I just happened to think that the original idea would have been an even, you know, more interesting film. But I'm not in Hollywood, and who am I to kind of argue against people who are paid to do this? And in the case of the Big Box, it paid off. So I'm not arguing against it. But they they certainly were were proved correct in what they did. They made a much more kind of mainstream idea. But uh, in terms of what Hollywood does, and that's make films that make money, it did that very well. Well, that's what show business is all about. So if Fire in the Sky succeeded. Would you then have Fire in the Ocean as a sequel film? I kind of wonder, fire in the ocean, then fire in the atmosphere, fire on Mars, fire on Venus, fire, fire, if it doesn't work, you get fired. We're talking shop, we're talking about the paranormal, this is our Halloween weekend version of the show with Micah Hanks, our guest co-host is Gogs Mackay, you're in the Paracast. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from Pro Flowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers, picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to ProFlowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's ProFlowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. 
The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by Verisign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-297-0154. That's 800-297-0154. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. That's 800-297-0154. You have all seen and heard about the elements of the periodic table. These elements are the building blocks of everything in the universe. You, my friends, are made from these elements. A shortage of any of these important trace elements can lead to disease. Go with the science and take the Lady Talk Health Challenge and get all 90 essential trace elements with a healthy start pack at LadyTalkLive.com or call 855-333-LADY. That's 855-333-5239. Research shows it's not just what you put in your body that counts, it's what you put on it as well. Why not use an all-natural, healthy, mineral-based makeup that actually benefits your skin? Once you experience the airiness and flawless coverage of Longevity Mineral Makeup, you will never use anything else. With Longevity, the perception of your complexion will be natural perfection. Animal-friendly mineral makeup at Mary Lou Health. That's M-A-R-I-L-U-Health.com. Or call 855-321-HEALTH. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. So Chris O'Brien is not here because it's Microsoft's fault. They don't like the idea that he recently activated an iPhone so he couldn't get Skype to work. Skype being owned by Microsoft. I have no idea. We'll get that fixed and he'll be back next week. So we have Gox Mackay, our guest co-host, a member of our forums at forum.theparacast.com. He's one of the friendly moderators who keeps things running. We have Micah Hanks from the Graylian Report at graylianreport.com, celebrating their updated website courtesy of Namecheap. And we're basically talking about unusual paranormal events. Now, because this is a Halloween weekend show, Micah, you have a couple of ghost stories you can drop on us. Well, you know, of course, because as I lamented earlier, or rather reflecting the lamentations of the listeners from time to time, while the philosophy has to be discussed, they like to hear case studies, reports, and just good old-fashioned stories. One that comes to mind, one subject, I should say, since we've covered Dybbuk boxes, ghosts, Bigfoot, UFOs, all this stuff, Ouija boards. This is something that really a lot of people are rubbed the wrong way uh, about the even just the discussion of them because of the negative st- you know, stigma attached to them. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be there because really a lot of the stories that we hear about Ouija boards are just darn unsettling. Uh, one that was told to me years ago by a friend involved he and his girlfriend at the time. And they decided that for, you know, kicks and giggles one Friday night, instead of going to the movies or going out, they would stay at home and they'd play with a Ouija board. And so he had said that uh, as they began their task of asking questions and seeing if the planchette, which is the pointing device, would move, he said that initially, that there wasn't much activity and then all of a sudden it sort of sprung to life you know they kind of got into a rhythm with it and everything and began receiving what they 
perceived as being messages. So they asked, well, uh, who is this or who are you? And the board took several minutes, but indicated that it was a spirit of a young girl. He asked, why are you a spirit of a young girl? The story goes that um, through these accumulated responses, and again, for people who've never used a Ouija board, of course, there are a series of numbers and letters and things. It's pretty popular, but if you don't if you don't know, you can look it up online and see how these things actually work. And so it may take a little time aside from simple yes and no responses, which are oriented on either side of the board so that simple responses can be given. But information imparted throughout this exchange indicated that this young girl had died maybe of tuberculosis and she had lived sometime in the 1860s or 70s. He asked, where are you? And it spells H-E-L. And he thinks, now, if a young girl had died, why in the world would this little girl be in hell, as she said? And so my friend wonders, well, if this little girl had passed away, why would she be in hell? And keep in mind, again, that this is not something I read in a book. This is something that a friend actually told to me. So he asks her at this point, if you died from tuberculosis as a little girl, why are you in hell? At this point, he began to question whether it was indeed a little girl. So the way that they had begun asking questions, you know, they were kind of getting oriented with the board and it took them a few minutes. But once they kind of got into the rhythm of things, the planchette, the little pointing device on the Ouija board. And if you don't know how these work, you can look online and read about them. But most people do. And um, the planchette began to move pretty quickly. And the information that was imparted to them, according to my friend, she had contracted. She had contracted tuberculosis. And so the. The story goes that this little girl's reason for wanting to communicate with them had been that she said, when you two, the happy young couple, have your firstborn, I want to be reincarnated into your child. Well, that weirded him out a little bit. And so as they're talking to this girl, he asks again, no, no, where are you? Well, the spirit in the afterlife, he wants to know where the spirit is. And she spells out H-E-L and rests the planchet on L. Hell? Uh, so, of course, naturally, he asks, well, why would you be in hell? Uh, and the response that is uttered at this time by this, or rather not uttered, I should say, but spelled out by the planchet using the Ouija board is, it goes over to I, rests for a moment. The planchet then slowly moves back over to K, then to I again, and then rests on L. I kill. He's thinking something's not right about this. What are you? He asks, supposedly of a little girl ghost. And it starts spelling D, Blanchett moves to E, to M, to O. He perceives that the word demon, of course, is being spelled out. And so he grabs the planchet and he and his girlfriend go over to goodbye. They leave, they box it up, and they say, and ever since, we have never again played with a Ouija board. (laughs) And that's the story. So who knows, you know? But I, I have heard numerous stories like that where people have claimed that they've had things like this happen. And, and one more, just to kind of encapsulate it all, a young boy contacted me from Australia, said he bought an, a vintage Ouija board in a pawn shop or, a, or an antique shop, and that he said, my grandfather came through the Ouija board. She's recently deceased. I said, well, what did he tell you? The boy's name is Artemis, and he said, my grandfather said, don't play with Ouija boards. If that doesn't say it, I don't know what would. Now, I don't want to say if this means anything, but I had one or two unusual experiences with the Ouija board when I was a teenager. I had a friend in Brooklyn, New York, Ken Albert, that currently lives in Atlanta, really nice guy. And his mom decided to play with us with the Ouija board. And we started getting responses. But I think at the end of the day, we felt that she was basically pretending to receive those responses and was moving the planchet back and forth. 
that's about as good or as bad as it gets, at least for me, and Ouija boards. Isn't it interesting about the Ouija boards that I'm pretty sure it's been mentioned on the show before, but many people are not aware that the original Ouija board was, uh, uh, I think it was a Parker Brothers board game. So either in the, the late 1800s or early 20th century, basically it was what you could buy in a toy shop. Now, those that use the boards, I suppose that they would argue that it's, you know, the board's origins are irrelevant as to what it can accomplish because you could just as easily draw on a piece of paper all the letters and put a sheet of glass over that. So the the fact it was a board game initially shouldn't prevent, if you like, uh, it, it working, if you believe this kind of thing. But it's interesting that the, the story, the personal story Micah was just relating there, that initially a couple using the Ouija board think they're talking to a little girl, but the answers that are coming are pretty sinister and demonic, and they're starting to question, well, is this is this uh, something else uh, masquerading as a little girl? Which goes back to what I was saying on earlier on about this whole thing about demons, demonology, demonic possession. In addition to all that, there's a huge explosion in the use of Ouija boards recently, probably partly due to movies um, such as, what's that latest well-known one, the, the horror series, it's in about five now, the first the one anyway. Activity, I believe. Yes, yes well, well done, Paranormal Activity, um, probably due to movies like that and, you know, things on the internet. Uh, but uh, a lot of people are talking. If you were to do Google searches on Ouija boards and you know uh, demonic impersonation and stuff, there is an awful lot of this stuff going on there. And it's interesting that Micah just gave an example. What some paranormal investigators thinks going on is you're contacting actually some kind of evil entity, possibly a demon, and they quite often ma- masquerade as a family member or an innocent child which draws you in and then you kind of open some kind of doorway for them to enter your life and really start <laughs> annoying you. I don't know if I really believe this stuff, and but if, if I do believe it at all, I, I do believe that probably the Ouija boards themselves are not instrumental in making this stuff happen. I believe it's probably more important that you're just simply making your decision to open yourself up to that side of life. And if it really does exist, that's almost like an open invitation to good or bad forces coming into your life because you've you've made that first step. Uh, you know, we've said on the show quite a few times in the paranormal field, as you kind of dip your toe in the water and go into it more, it kind of tends to come back um, and push back at you with equal force, not classic Newtonian equation. Um, a lot of people, once they became interested in the paranormal, then they maybe started to notice paranormal events around them that they hadn't noticed before. Let's do the break here. Sounds like the reflective aspect of the paranormal. Gogs Mackay, our guest co-host with Micah Hanks. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> 
GCN. Proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Find out how to stop Big Brother and his tracks at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, 
Mexican, six vegetable, and black bean olive. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today. Eat them every day, take them camping, or save them for an emergency. Check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon. That's 30dayfoodsupply.com, where all of our products are produced in Oregon by Oregon Trail Foods, 30dayfoodsupply.com. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. This has been a really quick running episode. Micah Hanks of the Grayleyman Report and Gogs Mackay, student of the paranormal member of our forums at forum.theparacast.com. Gongs, while we're talking with this segment, maybe look at the questions in our forums and see if there's anything you can ask that might be relevant. So let's continue. But right now we've been talking, of course, about real life versus R-E-E-L life and TV life and how those things kind of change and don't always reflect what's going on. You know, Mike, I'm going to jump because we're on the last five segments to a totally different subject that maybe we'll talk about very briefly. And it goes back to, of course, UFOs, our national security state, and the fact that last week we had Richard Dolan, author of a book called UFOs for the 21st Century Mind. Now, Mike, one of the big controversies that still goes on is one that started back in the 1980s, all about the alleged... MJ-12 documents or any secret documents. And it looks like, of course, Richard Dolan kind of favors it. He's along with Stanton Friedman on that. We have people like Robert Hastings, who wrote UFOs and Nukes. And Kevin Randall has written, you know, 1,001 books about UFOs and conspiracies and related subjects, saying it's all a big fake. So, Micah, do you think this whole thing about all these alleged government documents, particularly MJ-12, is it real? Is it a fake? And if it's a fake, who's fake? (laughs) Boy, that's, oh, gosh, what a good question, Gene. Uh, I I have to say that I think that there very well may be some information that is imparted in whole or more likely in in parts, minute parts, that are imparted within the the sum total of the MJ-12 documents that do suggest there's something more going on now. I want to I want to give a very brief disclaimer since I have so many friends in the field, including Rich Dolan. He and Nick Redfern probably two among my my very best friends in this community of of people who are UFO centric in their research. Um, I, I don't completely agree. I think um, with with Richard um, on the significance of the MJ12 documents and um, and and I respectfully do so. And here's why. Now, at the Paradigm Symposium recently, he, Nick Redfern, and I, along with a number of others, were on a UFO panel discussion, and he actually brought that up. And what he cites, I think, is a legitimate reason for appending some legitimacy to them, and that is the fact that, again, what is represented in those documents is a collection of information. Sure, we can't dismiss all of that information. Now, with that, I agree that, that all of it cannot be entirely dismissed, but I think that the way that it was put together, the reason it was in all likelihood released, and the evidence that shows that some of it was entirely fabricated right down to, I think, Dwight Eisenhower's signatures, the um, incorrect use of, again, uh, the paper, and and I think that uh, the variety of ink 
and the jurisdictions for how the ink would have appeared relative to a typewriter government issue at the time that the documents that were supposedly written when they were supposedly written should have actually been oriented. Robert Hastings and numbers of others have, have already shown that clearly there were fabricated elements. And so sadly, we kind of get into this, you know, again, like you'd look at a researcher. If a researcher gives you all kinds of interesting, compelling data, but then all of a sudden it comes around later that maybe two or three things that they've said are entirely false and fabricated, then you have to kind of question everything that person says, such is the case with these documents. If you've seen the, the film Mirage Men, the, um, the recent documentary, it again looks at the reasons why this information might have been in whole or in part fabricated and then released to certain people and certain factions of the UFO community. With the longer term, it was not all about taking, you know, Mr. Benowitz and, and trying to steer his interest. It was obvious that they could have told him, look, stop what you're doing. Keep it hush hush. No, they, they gave him this information and encouraged it with the intention of it getting around to other UFO investigators. We also know that other investigators like Linda Moulton Howe were treated in a similar way. Why was it such that bad information would be given to UFO researchers with the intention of dissuading them or controlling the way that the UFO community actually interprets data about UFOs, if it had just been to basically lead a couple of people off the trail, so to speak. Obviously, there seems to be a broader implication here, and I think that we have to look at MJ-12 in the context of a control mechanism utilized by U.S. intelligence for trying to control the perceptions of a group of the public, that being the UFO community. So while Richard, I think, is absolutely right that there's a lot of complex information within those documents, evidence to me and to my liking and, and many others in the community, especially Robert Hastings, you know, it shows that we cannot take at face value everything that's presented in those documents. And frankly, I think the broader question is more about government secrecy, manipulation of the minds of individuals in the public and their reasons for doing so. That's what MJ-12 is about to me. Well, I think the big point that Richard Olin was making is the sheer quantity of these documents. If you had one or two, you figure, well, you've got Richard Doty working in his basement and he's knocking these out. But if you have a thick book of phony documents or somewhat doctored documents, that seems to imply a really concerted effort to what? Gene, yeah. sorry, I've got a very quick point on this. Um, my memory is a little bit fuzzy, but when this initially came out, the MJ-12 documents, I believe it was an envelope posted to Jamie Chandra, and in that was microfilm of the documents. If that's correct, was there ever any physical documents that could be examined, or was it just these kind of photos of them? That's a good question, actually. And I don't know that I am aware of, you know, again, I think that at least uh, I believe that there were some actual physical documents. And you're actually, Gogs, you're asking specifically about the MJ-12 documents, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. See, that's a good question. I wish I were more qualified to answer that. I, as, as I understand, though, there had actually been physical copies. And had it not been the case that Stanton Friedman received a grant to actually examine these, well, I, I believe that that's the case. Gene, do you happen to know right offhand? Offhand, no, we'd have to ask Stan. Yeah. If I remember correctly, and again, I don't want to misspeak, but maybe one of the Paracast listeners can fill us in after the fact. But uh, my understanding had been that there had been a research grant that had been actually provided to Stanton Friedman, who had conducted, again, his analysis of the documents. I, my understanding had been that there had actually been physical documents, and he had determined that he thought that they were legitimate. Unfortunately, though, that is contrary to what other subsequent in examinations have determined. And I think that the evidence more than obviously shows that there was fabrication going on. But again, Richard Dolan brings up a really good point in relation to the fact that the sheer volume of documentation seems to point to the idea that there was a lot going on behind the scenes, which I think does lend some credence to some of the ideas 
that it presented. Researcher Grant Cameron has noted, for instance, that there was discussion of a secret group of individuals that would literally would have been the Majestic 12 or 13, maybe. Vannevar Bush, I think, had purportedly been behind all this. And then there was actually, again, in the Canadian National Archives documentation that similarly pointed to the very sorts of, uh, of, of things which would have had to have been, again, coming from another government in North America, uh, you know, this would have been entirely unrelated to the MJ-12 documents released by the Air Force, supposedly through Richard Doty or whoever. And so the thing is, is that, again, some of the information can kind of, in, a, in an odd way, be backed up and can be sort of confirmed, but maybe not all of it. So I think that there are inherently going to be some truths mixed with untruths. And, and it's all about manipulation, but that's really what manipulation is, is that you, you have to give at least enough credible data so that people will buy what they're believing. The problem is, is that they tend to buy into all of it and believe everything, including people being transported to other planets, you know, exchange programs with alien races, all kinds of things. Wouldn't it be the case that these days, if anyone were to manufacture MJ-12 documents these days with the internet, the access to the internet, it would be a lot easier than it would have been back in the early 80s. Because of that, and because there is far less interest, numerical numbers of people interested in ufology in the early 80s, I would imagine, than compared to now, I have to think that the effort going, and as Richard Dolan says, with his kind of academic background with documents and historical things, I would have to say he's got a better idea than most of the kind of work that would have to go into faking them to the quality that they did. Everyone would agree they're very good quality fakes. And they yeah. took some quite stringent testing to kind of on the balance say, they're well, they're probably fake. But it took a lot of work to get there. And I think Richard Dolan's correct to point out to say that the effort gone behind it, bearing in mind when that took place, I think there has to be something behind it because if there was no kind of disinformation motive behind it, I just don't see what any other motive could be that's strong enough to warrant that kind of effort. Yeah, certainly, Gogs. I mean, that's that's the thing. I think the problem is, is and again, I wish you were here. Maybe I would be able to ask him, although I have discussed this at least peripherally with Richard, uh, at least as recently as the last few weeks. But again, if, if I understand Richard's position on this correctly, I would differ only in that I think that he ascribes, due to the complexity of some of the information and the number of documents within the MJ-12 releases, that he ascribes that there is actually some relevant UFO data. That may be the case, but to me, it is almost entirely a issue of, again, misdirection of the public utilizing such information rather than one that actually pertains to the actual UFO phenomena itself, if that makes sense. MJ-12 and the related documents, real, fabricated what? We have Micah Hanks of the Grelian Report at grelianreport.com. We have Gogs McKay, one of our forum moderators and guest co-host. You're in the Paracast. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. G-C-N. Genesis is defined as an origin, creation, or the beginning. Genesis Communications Network began with the mission of providing you with the kind of compelling content you're listening to now. And at GCNlive.com, you'll find a free archive of our nation's history, narrated by GCN hosts. Explore, share, and pass down to future generations. GCN is the future of talk radio, but we should always strive to learn from our past. Together, we are GCNlive.com. GCN.
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Paracast, Chris O'Brien is struggling with Skype because it's a Microsoft product and he has an iPhone. No, I don't know if that's the reason, because I have a Mac and Skype seems to be working okay. More or less, we've had some connection difficulties with Micah. And we won't try to explain that, except that his avatar is a green alien. And maybe Microsoft doesn't like green aliens, Micah? If it's not Microsoft, it's obviously the secret government because they don't like the information I'm putting out right now. Okay, (laughs) we were talking about the possibilities of secret documents here. So, and this is, I guess, the age-old question here is all these stories about the government playing the games. And we use MJ-12 as an example of possible government tampering. But all to just get a few thousand UFO enthusiasts go wacko over it to send a few researchers astray? Well, maybe not. Uh, you know, again, to refer to a past, another past guest on the Paracast, uh, James Carrion, former director of MUFON. You know, his perspective on this, and one that is mirrored often by Joseph P. Farrell, uh, is that there are intelligence programs and agencies, of course, that are seeking to utilize the UFO phenomenon. Maybe it, there's a valid phenomena. Let's let's accept that at the outset, that maybe there is something going on that is not human-related, or at the very least that most of us don't know about. Government agencies aren't behind. But that wouldn't remove the possibility that there could be for use in maybe controlling not just the public or a, or a research community who is interested in the UFO subject, but maybe for purpose of controlling the ideas of different countries and world leaders it could be that there is psychological warfare employed, which utilizes the UFO meme as kind of a vehicle. For for instance, let's say that there's this concept that Nazi UFOs existed, that the, the Nazis during the Second World War were building saucers and things and bunkers underground. Uh, and we also see following the Second World War, as Joseph Farrell has pointed out, you know, a flying saucer with the Iron Cross that was purportedly seen hovering over the, the Thames River in London toward the end of the war. This was reported in the New York Times just a few years after the end of the war. 
And so it's interesting that when we have this, that of course I should also point out though, also appeared after Kenneth Arnold claimed he'd seen the quote unquote flying saucers in 1947. And so what we're left with is the interpretation that one could draw that certain memes that appear in the public, maybe there were real aircraft that someone like Kenneth Arnold had seen, but could the perception of that phenomena be actually used in a way, and maybe even by mainstream American media, and again, this is basically in part under control of intelligence organizations and their operations with the explicit purpose of trying to change or direct or, or steer the ideas of other world powers. And it all comes down to this in the end. If they perceive that we have captured Nazi technology that could be weaponized or of great use in warfare, we're carrying a big stick and they're not going to come and hit us with theirs. And so that, that could be the argument just as well, I think. But that's an interesting point. And I wonder if, uh, inverted commas, the Russian Roswell, could that have been an answer to that? Well, you know, if, if the United States is going to make on they have captured technology and that makes them, you know, further ahead and more worrying to mess with. Obviously, at the, at the time of that Cold War, the Soviet Union was the other game in town. It would be interesting to wonder if the Russians had gone down a similar route, truthfully or not, using the UFO topic to make it seem as if, you know, they had greater technology weapons than they actually did. Certainly. And I think, Gogs, just as well, that they wouldn't have necessarily had to have knowledge of the fact uh, that something like Roswell maybe had been concocted or something you know along the lines of any of these ufo reports that might be used for such purposes by a government agency in, in order to basically carry this idea that this had been going on in other words russia could have been playing the same game to try and battle something that they perceived as a legitimate threat which actually since the outset maybe government steering and engineering by the u.s all along so you know again this is i think the bigger implication of the idea that is espoused in the film Mirage Men, and of course, which many UFO researchers have considered for years, that while there may be a real phenomenon underlying all this, how much of this bubble that continues to grow is the result of the control of perception of said phenomena by people who would utilize it for their benefit. And it really may have a lot more to do with, again, controlling world affairs, at least at certain points in time, it probably has, and a little less to do with controlling some you know, segment of the population that's interested in UFOs. I don't know that, and maybe this mirrors what Colonel John Alexander has said, but I don't know that the U.S. government really has all that much concern about what American citizens think about UFOs, unless it has to do with the idea that certain people in the past, in the 80s, we do know that this was taking place. I think uh, On the Trail of the Saucer Spies by Nick Redfern documents this pretty well. The idea that some people who were looking at UFOs, it was believed they may actually be looking into you know, U.S. secrets and they may have been working for other intelligences and different uh, you know, nations and the like and trying to actually reveal state secrets. And so there's, there has been at times in the past a concern that certain UFO researchers were employing UFO research as a cover for what they were actually into. And I think that there have been legitimate reasons and instances where people have been watched as a result of that. Of course, we have the case of William Moore, where supposedly he was engaged in working with the government, or at least working with someone like Richard Doty, who sounds like a rogue agent. You've got to think that um, if you take all the interest that's grown since their uh, late 80s in Area 51, now let's just suppose for a second that Area 51 has never had anything to do with any kind of flying saucer technology, aliens, none of that stuff. What we do know 
having made things like the U2, that it's right at the pinnacle of uh, testing of advanced military aircraft. So that would make it an absolute prime target for foreign military intelligence to be looking at. As Micah and Jean, you've just said there, it would be a perfect cover for foreign spies, maybe not people we know in the UFO field, but basically to use the use the cover of saying, oh, we're interested in UFOs, but they're actually ignoring all that nonsense and they're interested in what is really definitely going on at Area 51. So that that's an example of why there could be a genuine concern that people in ufology are using it as a cover for real spying, if you like. And how do you know? How do you find out? How can you figure that out? How can you get a handle on it? And also, how many people in the UFO field are cooperating? We always had this joke over at the Paracast forums at forum.theparacast.com, occasionally mentioned on the show, which is, how many people there are really government agents? I mean, someone working for the government, you know, someone might be working for the government and they just happen to be interested in UFOs and they check us out or the paranormal subjects and anything else we deal with, but someone deliberately joining our forums to spread weird things. Well, it's very likely, at least, maybe not the podcast forum, but it's very likely that there would be people like at uh, Above Top Secret. And the reason I say that is if we, what we definitely, what we know Richard Doty has admitted to in the past, back in the early 80s, well, you've got to imagine that whatever reasons there were for AFS, AFOSI, to take an interest in these matters back then, I would imagine that still applies now, maybe even more so. So I would imagine that there are people. Uh, well, we know government agencies have taken interest in the UFO topic. That That is fact. So if they do, what better way than to keep their finger on the pulse is to get involved on internet forums where people there are discussing the topic. I, I think it must go on. Yeah, I would agree. I think it, it, without question, at times occurs. But I don't think that that should be used, of course, as something that, you know, breeds paranoia, because obviously there is a lot of paranoia in this community, people who think that they've been watched, maybe some who have been, uh, you know, very legitimately uh, observed, and, and they have reason to uh, to suspect that kind of a thing that, that has happened, you know. Uh, Gene, I've got to ask you, by the way, because I know with, with, with your history of involvement in UFOs, have you ever felt like you've been watched at any time? Overtly, no. No. <laughs> there have been times I've been paranoid. I know in the early years when my first wife, Geneva, and I were in regular touch with Richard Shaver, and Shaver, of course, claimed to be in contact with these Deros and Tiros who lived beneath the surface of the earth. He claimed that he had been pursued by them. And you could read these long letters from Shaver and feel a little paranoid. And I know one night I remember I was working at this radio station in Tuscumbia, Alabama, right next to Muscle Shoals. And I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger. We have Micah Hanks with Gogs Mackay. You're in the podcast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, 
Tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Mike Stennerson from Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body body healing itself with the aid of hb extract it's extremely effective and it starts working in just days visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers and we've never increased our price in over 10 years that makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it a healthy heart is a happy heart call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. 
guest co-host Gogs Mackay. We have Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report. And the question, of course, is whether I felt I was being followed or pursued, I guess, by government operatives. And I'll tell you a story. I was working at this country and Western radio station in Tuscumbia, Alabama, which is part of the Quad Cities of Florence, Muscle Shoals, Tuscumbia, Sheffield. Alabama. Muscle Shoals, by the way, we all know that place. It's a very famous place. And the reason we know it is because a lot of famous rock and blues recordings were made at the Muscle Shoals Sound Studios, like Aretha Franklin and Percy Sledge did a lot of recordings there. Okay, so let's get to the story. So I have my first car, an Opal Cadet compact car. It was a car that was sold through the Buick dealerships. And so Geneva and I took it into the country near the radio station It was really dark there. We were on a country road, two-lane road, no street lights or anything like that. And just one night, we got kind of scared for just a few minutes. And then I decided, you know, let me just turn back. And I turned back, and I went home. And I guess during this rather paranoid period, and understand I'm in my 20s and studying actively the paranormal, is it possible here that maybe it all made me just a wee bit paranoid? And I could say that evidently it did, at least for that particular short period of time. That's as close as it comes. Now, when I sponsored a UFO convention in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, I think 1975, National UFO Conference, we kind of wondered humorously whether any of the people that were there happened to be the token government agent. But that's as close as it came. I mean, if you want to look at paranoia and possible government agents, let's consider like James Mosley. Now, Mosley was a son of a famous and very controversial army officer, George Van Horn Mosley, who was also a notorious anti-Semite, by the way. But none of that carried over to Jim, who embraced everyone. And there was a theory in the 50s and 60s, and part of it was a joke with his friend Gray Barker, that Jim must be the government plant in the UFO field because of who his dad was. And he was obvious because he was so totally the opposite of his father. Ever hear that, Micah? (laughs) I hadn't heard that one. No. You know, again, I think that when you've got people who I I should point something out, by the way, you know, uh, one of the first things that was asked uh, of me before I was allowed to go on the the late night program coast to coast, I'd been asked, do you have people in government uh, who give you information? Uh, and I can't say that I've got some sort of secret, you know, contacts or anything like that. No, I've I've never been uh, so lucky. I, I do, on the other hand, have uh, friends who either have or even maybe currently work with the space program who I talk with regularly, not just the space program. I've had friends who have been in law enforcement, people who had formerly worked with agencies, even like the NSA back before we were supposed to know that it existed. Um, a lot of retired individuals and people who who have had interest in this subject. And I've never, ever once gotten some sort of a revelatory secret from people like this, maybe what I want to know that certain things, but, uh, but, but what the thing that we have in common and the reason that I'm in contact with a lot of these people, they can give me perspective on things maybe that, that occur in echelons of government, but they are often just as interested in these subjects as you or I would be. And much in the same way that if you or I worked at an American academic institution and we had to kind of keep quiet our interest in these sorts of things, a lot of people who I've known who are either with the space program or who work with you know law enforcement or any kind of position, academic, government, whatever, they have a very similar disposition that they find themselves in, in which they are ridiculed by their colleagues, government, academic, whatever, if they express openly interest in or belief 
in these kinds of things. I attended a Fort Fest back in May and uh, or March, actually, and, and the Fort Fest were very famous events. Two funny things happened there, actually, in, real, in the same line of thought. There was a guy who was a former CIA intelligence entry analyst, I believe, is what he, what he did. And a couple of my friends, uh, I was there with Phyllis Galdi, and a couple of my friends there had uh, had said, oh, yeah, he's the, the spook. He's the guy who's formerly of government who's here. And so I just went over and introduced myself and started talking. And he explained, you know, I'm, I'm just like anybody else. I, I, you know, I didn't have any kind of a high level or anything like that. I wasn't some sort of an agent. I was a communications guy. But I'm interested in all this stuff, although I'm also a skeptic and I'm interested in it from a skeptical perspective. I found out that, you know, from talking with him, he and I had a lot in common, which raised a few eyebrows. Another gentleman had claimed that he had actually, and I don't doubt this by by any means in saying he claimed, but that's what he said, was that he had been a science advisor to the Joint Chiefs a number of years ago and said that the problem with it. You know, the problem with this field is we need less science involved. And I said, well, I beg to differ. And he very respectfully stopped and said, let me again tell you, I was a science advisor to the Joint Chiefs. So, I mean, I I think I know what I'm talking about. And I said, well, sure. And I, I don't doubt that you do. But I disagree that we need less science involved in this field. I think what we need is we need more science, but we need less science that shows an obvious bias against these topics, UFOs, whatever else, you know, paranormal theme that you want to look at. And so, which, you know, it shows very interestingly to me that, again, there's this perception, this stigma, if you will, attached to people in government or people in other areas of interest, you know, and that they're always out to get the lowly researchers, you know, the Jim Mosley, the Gene Steinbergs, the Gogs Mackay or Micah Hanks's of the world or Chris O'Brien's, whoever. When in fact, I think it's just the opposite. Often they have just as much interest and they're just as in the dark about these things as you or I, but nonetheless, just as interested. Well, it comes to Jim Mosley, who died a couple of years back. If you want to get a hold of him, you just get the Ouija board out, I guess, <laughs> and see what happens. That would work. Gogs, by the way, we've had a few comments on the show. We didn't have a lot of time to put it in forum.theparacast.com in the question bank. Do we have any questions from our listeners or special requests? Well, yeah, there are a couple of questions. There's certainly a special request. I'm wondering if uh, Mike is up for this, but we we have a very, very regular forum member, great guy called Wade Ridsdale. Most of you in the forum will know him, and he does have a question, but first and foremost, he's asking if myself and Micah would sing him happy birthday. I'm up for it. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> well, on three. Okay, go ahead. Count us down there. Count us off, Gogs. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. To you. Happy birthday, dear Wade. Happy birthday, Happy birthday to you. <laughs> we just lost all our listeners, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. That's the end of the PowerCast. We really did it now. We really did a number on ourselves. People say we do some pretty wacky things like have too many wacky commercials. But now we have this entertainment. And now we have to pay the royalties to the company mm -hmm. who published Happy Birthday. No, it's less than 30 seconds. If it's less than 30 seconds, I think it becomes a sample. And therefore, you don't have to pay the copyright fee. Okay, so Wade also had a question. Did he not, Gogs? Yeah. His question was really for Micah, and he, was, he wanted to hear Micah's input on Lauren Coleman's postings on the Trident meme. That's not something I'm aware of, but I'm hoping Micah will be. Oh, yeah. I, I happen to be qualified to discuss that because Lauren Coleman actually contacted me, direct contacted me about this article, which Wade's referencing, and, uh, and asked me to participate or contribute to it. So we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Hey, that's a good way to introduce it. And maybe somebody in one of the commercials. 
will make us all paranoid and ready to flee for our lives. I don't know how those things work. We have Micah Hanks, longtime paranormal researcher and author. He has the Graylian Report, and we'll tell you about that site shortly. We have Gogs Mackay, who talks to us from Scotland and says nothing about the attempt to become an independent country. With Gene and Micah and Gogs, you're in. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-297-0154. That's 800-297-0154. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. That's 800-297-0154. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. 
Hi, Dr. Hurley here to give you information you may not want to hear. Approximately 70,000 chemicals are currently used and released into the environment in the United States each year, and 30 million kilograms of these toxic chemicals are known to cause cancer. And now the good news. Longevity's five-day cleansing program can drastically reduce the toxins in your body. For more information about the five-day cleanse, visit drhurley.net or call 855-315-8326. That's 855-315-8326. Hi, Dr. Lorraine Hurley here. Would you wait till you're dying of thirst before digging a well? Well, why wait until you're sick before getting the nutrients you need? Longevity's Healthy Start Pack has all the essential nutrients your body needs. The 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, and 2 fatty acids just aren't available in most people's diets. Your body needs these nutrients, and the Healthy Pack 2.0 has them all covered. Get your Healthy Body Pack by calling 855-315-8326. That's 855-315-8326. Or visit drhurley.net today. Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. So let's continue the answer of that long question. Micah Hanks, what do you have to say? So Lauren Coleman contacted me a while back as he did numerous other researchers in the field. And, uh, and by the way, I should, I should paraphrase uh, really quickly uh, Wade's question from before. It was, a, it was a question about Lauren Coleman's perspectives on tridents and the, and the prevalence of the trident kind of as a meme in, in media and maybe in literature just as well. I can only ask that he requests that I talk about this so that there will be no further requests to hear Gogs or I sing, but I digress. <laughs> now, For the rest of the entire existence of the Paracast, there will be no request. <laughs> i don't know maybe we'll see yeah yeah exactly you know funny uh, funny enough i should say though i i happen to actually be professionally a, a singer who plays with a band from time to time so that may not have been the best rendition of happy birthday i've ever done maybe i could do a little better at night in a smoky lounge or bar someplace now lauren had contacted me uh, and, and many other researchers in the field. Of course, Lauren and I have been friends for years. And uh, I consider Lauren one of the, the brightest minds, uh, of course, not just in cryptozoology, but really in Fortiana. And also, I think he's one of the, the deepest researchers, maybe one of the best writers, too, one who's been very influential to me. And so it's always cool when he you know, sends you an email and says, Micah, would you contribute something to an article I'm writing? And I said, well, of course. And, and the premise was, you know, what significance does the trident hold, if any? In, in the media today and in culture. And of course, the trident, I think, uh, is most classically attributed to being the, the weapon welded by uh, Poseidon, of course, of, of ancient Greek um, mythology, the god of the, the sea and whatnot. You know, again, the three-pronged trident, to me, again, is kind of representative of a number of things in esoteric thinking, ranging from maybe the idea of superstition associated with the number three, lucky number three, three is a round number, Um, things happen in threes, third time's the charm, 3.33 p.m., you know, or a.m. is considered, you know, a a time of day that is of a special significance. And so I think that there are a lot of numerological and, and esoteric aspects about the number three that a lot of people kind of append some sort of a security or superstitious uh you know good fortune to the trident maybe kind of kind of represents that and i know that with regard to the twilight language blog that uh, lauren put this essay together where he asked numerous people about this and what the trident comes to represent i should point out it wasn't just poseidon who actually had utilized a three-pronged weapon in ancient mythology there were other 
uh, deities, including those in, in the Vedic epics of Hindu tradition and, and the like. And of course, we also have in religious you know, mythologies, uh, even, uh, you know, here in the Western world with Christianity, there's the idea of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that number three seems to be extremely prevalent. And to me, that was the significance of the, of the trident. Why the significance of the number three, who knows, but, but that was what Lauren Coleman had written. Uh, I contributed and that's what Wade is asking about, I believe. Okay. Thank you, Wade. And I'm very sorry about the song. We'll try to have it done better next time, but not on this show. That's going to be Wade's ringtone by Monday. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine that ringtone? And people hear it on his smartphone. And they start running out of the room. He wants to get rid of people he doesn't like. Play that ringtone. And remember, yeah. I didn't offer at any time the chance to sing. Gogs, any more questions? Yeah, we've got one from SRL, who is uh, quite a regular poster. Basically, he's asking if any of us will take a stab at the following question, or which type of nuts and bolts craft may behave like a time machine in having the ability to materialize or dematerialize, with the caveat that this isn't suggesting some kind of cloaking technology. So nuts and bolts craft that may materialize, dematerialize, does that, ha- does that behave like a time machine? Would there well, be such a thing? Obviously. Come on, Doctor Who's TARDIS, right? Yes. Yes, but remember the TARDIS is larger on the inside than on the outside. And the TARDIS, of course, has undergone various and sundry modifications. Every time they regenerate Doctor Who, they seem to redo the TARDIS, depending on the special effects and everything. Exactly. I guess it should also say that maybe we would preclude the TARDIS from this discussion because I think he'd specifically said, uh, apart from chameleon kind of, you know, or cloaking technology, we know that, in fact, this is employed by the TARDIS to uh, maintain that uh, police box external appearance. Bigger on the inside, indeed, as one might say of the entire nature of this discussion. So, I mean, I don't know. Again, the question is, is I've often wondered if certain UFOs might not be capable of what I call temporal evasion or temporally evasive technologies, which are essentially technologies that operate within the boundaries of what we call space and time in a way that we might liken to uh, time travel, except I don't know that the intention or purpose behind their operation would be traveling through time so much as, again, maybe modifying the flux of space and time for purposes of travel, in which case, really, if we want to get way out there, we could even look at a UFO as not a spaceship or any kind of an aircraft, but rather just a device that travels by manipulation of space-time itself, which would would be very different from the way a aircraft utilizes, you know, principles of lift and and of course the you know, reliance on having air in order to do that. Uh, whether it's a rocket or an aircraft, you know, like a plane. I mean, a plane again achieves lift by reaching a certain speed, and there's that that forty-five or so degree altitude that we even see birds employ as they're taking off, which you know seems to be a natural constant when you're using air to achieve lift. With a rocket, of course, if you're going to be able to burn fuel and and, and you know create the thrust uh, necessary to propel a rocket upward and out of Earth's atmosphere, yet again, you're still going to need oxygen. So we may be looking at varieties of, of technologies that are able to operate in the absence of oxygen. They don't utilize air for achieving lift either through propulsion or through you know classical aerodynamics. And if that's the case, we may not be talking about aircraft or spacecraft so much as technologies that warp space-time. If indeed that's the case, time is warped along with the warpage of space, and yeah, there may be something that's temporally evasive, i.e. a time machine or something similar. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. I suppose if we if we in the classical view of UFOs maybe being you know the flying saucer from another planet, we know that the distances are so huge that 
any such craft either would be travelling for such a long time at sublight speeds, or if there was some way to kind of cheat that by warping space and time, then obviously that uh, obviously that would uh, a craft could appear to disappear but simply dematerialize, if you like, but simply just by virtue of moving so quickly, you know, if all it has to be is quicker than our eyes or any kind of a motion capture uh, on a camera. And so if something leaves quick enough or arrives quick enough, it may appear to just materialize or dematerialize in one space. Like, like Micah says as well, I personally think just looking at what, looking at the kind of characteristics of reported UFO, UFOs are the flight characteristics. If you think about the the ninety degree turn, the instant acceleration, and all that, there's no two ways about it. If they exist, they must have somehow found a way to overcome inertia, to completely subvert it. Because never mind human beings or alien beings, I think just the technology inside would be crushed to nothing by the massive g-forces of the acceleration so i i've often thought and i also think that uh, the whole thing about um losing time missing time and abductions i've also wondered if that sometime isn't just simply a byproduct of being close to a field that is locally affecting space-time that's me yeah that's a very 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 good idea by the way and i've wondered the exact same thing with regard to what we call missing time i I think it may have less to do with being taken aboard a craft having your memory washed and then reappearing hours later i think it could have everything to do because some people report the missing time with or without a purported abduction experience they may see a ufo and then suddenly it seems like all this time has been lost and again it could be the immediate effects of the warpage of space and time and again this is entirely speculative a lot of people would say that there's nothing to that there's no way that you can substantiate that but there has to be something that accounts for the high strangeness in the anecdotal witness reports in relation to these kind of ufo cases so that's a strong possibility to me well we have to wonder about warp drive and gauge or maybe some of the ufos we see are some kind of projection and not the real thing which is another reason why they may wink in and wink out okay winking in winking out who knows gogs mckay Micah Hanks, Gene Steinberg, and you're in The Podcast. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S 
Safeguard.com. We all have our own idea about what being safe and secure means. The door's locked, bills are paid, you've got a job that keeps the lights on, and a home to call your own. But what happens when Mother Nature throws a curveball? Are you prepared to live without electricity or passable roads for weeks at a time? Do you even have a plan B? If you do, are you willing to bet your life on it? Children left with no homes. And no one's coming to help them. The first step towards self-reliance in the face of disaster is a visit to MyPatriotSupply.com. There you'll find the absolute best prices on storable foods, non-GMO seeds, emergency water filtration devices, and so much more. All orders over $49 qualify for free shipping in the lower 48 states. Call 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. And speak to one of our preparedness advisors today. Or visit us at MyPatriotSupply.com. Remember, before it's time to survive. It's time to prepare. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's 866-917-8335 breakfast lunch and dinner three square meals you'll need in an emergency so the freeze dry guys three square meal unit sale is just a ticket a variety pack of tasty nourishing breakfast lunch and dinner on sale now breakfast is freeze dry guys favorite hot oatmeal and sweet dehydrated bananas lunch is mountain house freeze dried hot macaroni and cheese and crisp green beans and dinner is mountain house long grain wild rice pilaf and hearty beef stew vegetables and gravy call freeze dry guy and ask for details on the 126 serving three square meals unit one case normally 164.37 sale price at only 138.90. Save over 25 bucks. Get two or three cases and save even more. Or ask about Freeze Dry Guys Fall Chili Special. Always free shipping to lower 48 states. Call 866-404-3663 or click freezedryguy.com. And hurry, the Fall Chili Special and Three Square Meals unit are on sale while supplies last. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available for long-term storage. Period. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? What a fast-moving episode. I mean, the theme was Halloween weekend, but that we got into so many different topics, not just ghosts and Bigfoot, but Mirage Men and MJ-12 and all sorts of UFO-related stuff and about reality, the various images of our reality. Gogs, do you have any more questions left? No, I think that's it, really. There, there was a question from Polterworth, but I don't think he was really addressing it to us. Yeah, it's, it's really about Eric Von Daniken, and I think he was really... Was he maybe looking for that to go to Richard Dolan? I, I actually didn't understand what the question was about. Did you read it, Micah? 
I didn't happen to, but Gene, if you're game, I mean, you're, you're welcome to read it. I can see if I, maybe it's something I could answer. Well, I'll, I'll read it verbatim, but I, I don't really understand. It's, this is it. Since he dismissed it last time, I'd like to know if he's looked up or maybe read Tomy and the Planet of Lies by Eric Von Daniken. It's written as a novel, but Von Daniken claims it happened and reads like a mixture of Secret Service thriller and Starman, the 1984 movie. Coincidentally, I've just recently stumbled upon a 30-year-old German book, a collection of alleged real paranormal experiences by well-known people in the German-speaking countries, in which Von Daniken starts to tell the exact same story, only the name of the assistant is different. Indicates that something miraculous happened, but then brings the story to a rather disappointing end, leaving out everything about the alleged visitor. I'm totally lost with this. Was this referring to your previous appearance, Micah? I don't think so. I know that previously in the Paracast forums, there'd been some questions about, uh, you know, Eric Von Daniken, uh, and, and I think what people perceive as my endorsement of him. I, you know, I can say this about Von Daniken, and I don't think that question right there was for me because I'm unfamiliar with the book that the gentleman's asking about. But, you know, the, the, the long and the short of Von Daniken is, is that uh, and it's publicly available, I think, on his Wikipedia page and elsewhere. You know, he had embezzled money as a young man. You know, whether you choose to look at those things and forgive those kinds of experiences and things that he had done in the past. Uh, again, my point has been that I think he has had an obvious cultural impact on people with his writing, whether it be people in UFO circles or people in, in Hollywood. Ridley Scott, of course, in the film uh, Prometheus had been kind of based on the writings of Von Anakin. So he's a person who I think for that reason is very culturally significant. But by the same token, I don't, and I've said this many times, I don't prescribe to ancient alien theory personally, and I don't look at Von Daniken's viewpoint of the ancient past as being the be-all, end-all. In fact, I completely disagree with that perspective. Let me ask you why. Why don't you think that even if UFOs are real now, that they wouldn't have been here for not just hundreds of years, but thousands of years? It's a distinct possibility if we're talking about UFOs in the context of being something that is not human. Again, the thing is, is that we can acknowledge those possibilities. My approach and what I try to fundamentally, uh, you know, espouse when I'm talking about UFOs is based on what we can, you know, infer or deduce from a logical observation of this. Now, my logical observation of UFOs has led me to a, a mostly skeptical disposition on this, although I'm still accused of being a person who, you know, again, discusses it frequently so that I can pander mysteries to people and therefore have something to write about. That's not the case at all. I'm genuinely interested in the subject. I'm skeptical because, again, I find that there's no hard evidence that we can use that, that proves that we're dealing with spaceships visiting from another planet, in which case, if they had been, yeah, who's to say that they hadn't visited in ancient times, but the evidence that the ancient astronaut theorists like Von Daniken use to support that idea could just as easily be interpreted as being the evidence of maybe psychoactive substances they'd been taking, dream quests, all different kinds of visions that you could have apart from having a UFO experience, and that these things, again, recorded on cave walls or an ancient uh, you know, manuscripts or anything, they could be interpreted again as being any number of things without having to suppose that they involve UFOs. So yeah, the possibility certainly exists, but that really has more to me to do with what is a UFO. And, and I don't know necessarily that we have enough evidence to support that. Merely enough evidence, I think, to support that there is a phenomenon. And I, I strongly disagree with those of the skeptical ilk who say that there is no evidence because I think that there is. It's just trying to interpret what that is. Well, Micah, I think 
I think what we can tribute to Von Daniken is I've read Fingerprints of the Gods. I suppose, like a lot of people, for a lot of people, it may have been the first time they had their eyes open just to many ancient mysteries, you know, forgetting whether it's ancient aliens or any other explanation, simply just highlighting worldwide a very interesting ancient mysteries and maybe not even the mysteries, just highlighting some interesting objects and places around the world. Von Daniken, because his book has sold so many copies and it's been translated into so many different languages, just, just for that fact alone, he, he is enormous in, in the culture for bringing a whole world of stuff to people who may otherwise not have heard of that because I think for a lot of people it's a kind of gateway book. It, it's not kind of hardcore paranormal. It's the kind of book that maybe even people who are not that interested in the paranormal, they might have that sitting about. And I imagine a lot of people came across it because maybe an older brother or a parent had it. And that was the, the stepping stone for them to get into the paranormal. It didn't happen to be the stepping stone for, for myself, but I can certainly see that it could be considering how many copies there are. And I think that that's what we have to give to von daniken gogs real quick uh, you'd said fingerprints of the gods did you mean chariots of the gods sorry yes uh, oh, uh, no no problem easy mistake to make although really the same could be said of the other book i just wanted to make sure that you weren't because i'd been discussing the idea of entheogenic experiences with psychoactive substances as being a different interpretation which is sort of what graham hancock with yeah. his books and research has done so i wanted to be clear that that you weren't actually talking about that but yes i agree with everything that you say even in relation to chariots of the gods because it doesn't have to necessarily be true to, to underscore the influence it has had on popular thought you know again some have said that it really all goes back to hp lovecraft i think it goes even further back than that frankly whatever the influences have been the influence of that book chariots of the gods on the alternative community it's it's absolutely undeniable we only have a couple of minutes left so i just raise the larger specter that if these remembrances of possible alien visitors are based on some kind of drug experience. Does that mean that the Bible fits in the same category? I think people who are religious are going to freak at that question, but it goes to follow. It very well could be. My, my book, Magic, Mysticism, and the Molecule, the first book I ever came on the Paracast to discuss with you, Gene, uh, in that book, I actually spent a good bit of time looking at uh, the Apostle Paul and the Road to Damascus experience, which was very much ecstatic kind of uh, hallucinatory vision that he had where he claims he rose into the third head uh, third heaven and met jesus christ who of course had purportedly already risen from the grave spent time with the disciples and then ascended so yeah we, we certainly have to look at that and, and it gets much deeper we look at the writings of the likes of sir james frazier uh, with the golden bow and how he looks at the comparative mythology or the way that world mythologies can be compared and the consistent narrative of the, you know, the, the son of God or the God King who rises from the dead. We could certainly look at the Christian Bible and a number of other world texts in very much the same way. I think so. Yeah. I think that's a good way to sum things up. A lot of agreement, a lot of fascinating discussions with our Halloween weekend version of the Paracast with Gogs Mackay, our guest co-host and forum moderator at forum.theparacast.com. 
And Micah Hanks of the Graylian Report. Micah, tell us where our listeners can find out more about the things you do. Yeah, you can find me at my personal website, micahhanks.com. And of course, my blog and my podcast, The Graylian Report, is G-R-A-L-I-E-N report.com. I can assure people, thanks to the efforts of Gene Steinberg and, of course, the servers over at Namecheap, yeah, you're going to be able to access that site more quickly and more reliably. And I'm very thankful for that. So, you know, you can email me just as well, info at micahhanks.com and love to get questions. If you didn't get your question asked on the show today, you can always ask me via email later. And when Chris returns and gets Skype working correctly, he can tell you, and I'll tell you right now, that you can find him at OurStrangePlanet.com, OurStrangePlanet.com. And here's a special offer we've had. It's still here. Limited time only. We'll give you a free version of Secrets of the Mysterious Valley by Chris O'Brien. Free. It's the ebook version. You can download it and play it on your iPad and your iPhone and your Android Samsung device. You can play it on your Kindle, wherever you can import the file. Secrets of the Mysterious Valley, free. Absolutely free. Here's how you get a copy. Go to our site, theparacast.com, theparacast.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's free. And within a few days, we'll send you the book, Secrets of the Mysterious Valley. You can find us at theparacast.com, where we have all the episodes of the show since 2006 on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, our favorite network, because we're on it, GCN. Dogs Mackay, first of all, thank you for being our guest co-host this week. No problemo, Gene, and uh, really enjoyed this episode. I think we covered a lot of ground. Micah Hanks, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Always my pleasure, Brother Gene. Thank you, Brother Micah. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.